blue wire. Blake Griffin has been traded to the Detroit Pistons. Blake Griffin, turn, drive, lays it up, lays it in. Reggie Ford, got it. Turns, fires, he fills it up. Hey y'all, this is Laz. Uh, this week's Pistons versus Everybody is brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, and Ship Station. This week we got on Ty Windish from the Eurostep, which is another podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, Ty and I talk about the uh, Bucks win over the Pistons, Giannis shooting threes and how terrifying that is, and uh, the Cream City jerseys. Don't fully understand the Cream City thing, not gonna lie. All right. Talk to you guys in a few. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm not a very fashionable guy. I had no idea which shoes are cool. I had to Urban Dictionary what a hype beast was. And my closet is packed to the gills with Michigan State t-shirts. But I'm at that age when wedding season is year-round, and you need to look good for the photos of that. So let me tell you about Indochino, which I wish I knew about before they started sponsoring this podcast. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The process is simple. You can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom, or you can do it all yourself on their website, Indochino.com. On the website, you choose your fabrics, you pick your customizations, and you submit your own measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks with free shipping. And the best part is that they're affordable. Almost all of their custom-made clothing is under 400 bucks. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when you enter Blue Wire at checkout. Again, with free shipping, that's at Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. That's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit to weddings. Wedding season, year-round, your significant other will be pleased. Trust me. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Pistons vs. Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and tonight I'm pleased to be joined by Ty Windish, Wisconsin Herd beat reporter and host of the Eurostep podcast, which is also on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. What's up, Ty? Not much. Just blessed to be able to hop on another great Blue Wire podcast. I was thinking about this uh, as we exited the podcast we just recorded, uh, the Eurostep, but it's funny because you worry like, oh, like Blue Wire people must have to work together or something. It's like, no, like there's just a lot of dope people on the network. Like I, I would... I would be glad to jump on your podcast no matter what network it was on. It just so happens we're both on Blue Wire. So there's my nice, completely unsolicited plug. I'm realizing now this sounds more and more scripted the longer I go, but it's it's true. It's genuine. I'm happy to be here. It's that's what that's what happens when like you pull a bunch of podcast people who like already know each other into your podcast network. Yeah. Shout out Justin Rowan. <laughs> shout out Sam uh, Esmandari. There you go. Yeah, him too. Everybody. Everybody, really. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, last time we did a podcast, it was actually the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, which is my other podcast. But the f- thing I opened with was, is there a snowball's chance in hell 
that the Bucks are uh, that the Pistons could beat the Bucks in the playoff series. You said no, so that's cool. Like that still remains the same. So I'm going to ask you. It's been uh, I think ten games since the uh, Pistons last beat the Bucks. When is the next time the Pistons beat the Bucks? Oh, this is fun. Um, see, I think so. The game that we're recording directly after got kind of chippy. So if that hadn't happened, I'd say you know I don't know. Do they have a late game against them this year? Maybe. Now though, I feel like this might have kind of pissed off Giannis and the Bucks, and and they do get they do get ticked off. They do kind of hold on to things. So I think I think we might be looking at like maybe like sometime in 2021 is what I'm going to say. Oh man, that's so far away. I don't like it's, that yeah. at all. <laughs> it's it's pretty far away. I'll say late next regular season or early the regular season two years from now is is my guess. Oh man, so. I, I tweeted during the game. I was like, I don't think antagonizing the league MVP who's playing even better this season, like midway through the third quarter, was like the smartest move uh, Blake Griffin has ever pulled. And uh, then Giannis proceeded to hit uh, four of eight threes from downtown, score 35 effortless points uh, in less than 30 minutes. Wait, he played less than 30 minutes? For the How third straight game. And they've won those games by a combined more than 100 points. Wait, are they still doing the like preserve him during the game thing from last year? Oh, I mean, yeah, if they go up by a lot, I mean, if it's close, they won't. But yeah, I mean, he he was like the last game they were up by thirty or forty in the third quarter, and they pulled him with five minutes to go, and he just sat. Yeah, they're not they're not going to put miles on him if they don't have to. Oh my, that blows my mind that he scored thirty five points in twenty eight minutes. Isn't it crazy? What what I really wanted to ask though was like I felt like. Him him taking eight threes is like a strategic victory on the part of the Pistons, but he made four of them. And so I'm I'm wondering how how has that development like gone? Like how has that development like occurred and been going this season? Because to me, like that's the last element of his game. If if he starts making those uh, off the dribble threes consistently, all of a sudden he's unguardable. Yeah, so he's he's pretty much getting there. Um it's not been linear. Uh, early on, he looked pretty solid from three. He's been kind of up and down. And it's funny, his his free throws kind of go with his threes. Like, there's been points this year where he's been an awful free throw shooter. And those are the games where he hasn't taken as many threes. Usually, he hasn't made as many threes. But they, they kind of seem to go together. A lot of it, we, we've determined, you know, Buck's shot doctor Twitter is like, the more arc he has, usually the better. When his shot gets flat, it's not as good. So tonight, he, like you mentioned, he's four for eight from three and seven for nine from the free throw line, which arguably is even more important if he's going to be a good free throw shooter with how much contact he's going to draw. But, I mean, having both things is is really great. So it's been it's kind of up early, then down for a bit, and now lately it's really been picking up again. Monday against the Knicks, he was three for four from deep. So over the last two games, he's been, what, seven for 12, which is how you say good. Um, it's – yeah, yeah, seven for 12. But um, – Really, it's just been more of like I, I like how determined he is to shoot them right now. Because there were times in the past where even he would ma- where Giannis would make a three, it was more of like the shot clock is running down, or like he's going to dribble around the screen and the screen doesn't really materialize, so he kind of runs out of things to do. So he takes the three. The four threes he made in this game, I think one was catch and shoot. Four, he just like he dribbles up and starts to take either Blake or Andre Drummond off the dribble, doesn't really like the the look he has, 
and he just purposefully just backs up and lets it fly. And like you can tell, you know, as soon as he starts to let go, you can tell that's exactly what he wanted to do. Like that's what he set out to do multiple seconds ago was shoot that three. And it sounds like such a small thing, but he really did not go out of his way to shoot threes often most of the time before this season. Sometimes he would, but it was more like he ends up in a situation, okay, I'll take a three, or he's super wide open, okay, I'll take a three. This game, it was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a three this possession. It was ex- It's exciting to watch. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's super exciting, and I just hope he keeps shooting them. You know, you mentioned him taking eight threes is a strategic victory for the Pistons. I agree, but I disagree also. It's strategic in the short term to make him take more threes, but long term, as someone in Giannis's division, it might not be the best to let him get all that practice. <laughs> That's totally fair. I, you know, I'm not playing the long con. I guess I'm not playing for uh, the victory that's going to come in 2021. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the other, the other thing I wanted to talk to you is this is win number 13 in a row, right? Yep. The longest streak since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a buck. So, and a lot of those wins have occurred while the bucks have not been at full strength, correct? Yeah. So Chris Middleton missed a lot of the early stretch of games and then Sterling Brown has missed some and Brooke Lopez missed the the last two before this, I believe. So with keeping all that in mind, uh, like, is this team, is this version of the Bucks better than, than last year's version of the Bucks at this time last season? You know, it, it really might be. I think, I think some of it might just be confidence slash experience. They know they're this good now. I think last year, they figured it out relatively quickly, but I think for fans and, and media and maybe even the team alike, there was a little bit of like, wait, are we, is this real? Like, are we really this good? Like, how, like, and of course it was the first year in Bud's system. That's probably more, more plays into it on the team side than, than yeah, that, doubting that's themselves. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, they were still learning it more. I think they, I think they thought they were going to be really, really good right away, but most of the rest of us were like, oh, maybe they'll get 50 wins and then about third halfway through the season, you kind of realize, oh no, they're they're better than fifty win. Good. Um, this year, they're more they're at least as confident. I would say probably more confident in the regular season. I mean, they know they can just rack these wins up. They've really learned the system. I think they've actually done a really good job in bolstering the the, the few weaknesses they had this year. Um, and I think the biggest for me that I would always talk about was. They just didn't have a backup center for most of the season. After John Henson gets traded away to the Cleveland Cavaliers, there's like nobody. Like it's they ended up getting Miritich, which went horribly, and he was never a center anyway. Ursan Ilyasova played some center. That's bad. Giannis plays some center. He doesn't really though. He like kind of does, but mostly it's him and Ursan. And Ursan does some centery stuff. It just doesn't it hasn't worked all that well, honestly. But they, there was just nobody. Like there was no nominal backup center. So thankfully, Brooke Lopez plays all. All 81 games that matter. He doesn't sit until game 82, and then plays every playoff game. Like they didn't, they didn't need to know what would happen if he missed games. Now they have Robin Lopez, who's not as good at the things Brook Lopez is good at, but he's like another big, credible defensive center. He hit, I think, one or two threes in this game. He can kind of shoot threes, but it's just like it's just nice to have a real backup center. It's really nice to have that option, even if you don't want to always use it. So that's nice. And then some of the wings they added, like. Dante gets to play this year. He he was going to play last year, but struggled with injuries. He's been really, really good, really serviceable. Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson get a year older. Um, obviously, add Kyle Corver and Wes Matthews. Those guys have been 
Corvus has been okay. Wes has been really good. But, of course, that is uh, kind of just canceling out uh, the one big loss of the offseason, which something tells me we might talk about on this podcast. Yeah, that that, that was going to be the uh, the next transition point into that. So, uh, obviously, the big the loss for the Bucks this offseason was the sign-and-trade of Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and it looked like that move was done entirely for luxury tax purposes, which is not normally what happens when you have a team that you think at a front office and an ownership and a player group and a coaching group all kind of agrees is ready to contend for a championship. You don't normally see that kind of team duck the luxury tax, but like that's neither here nor there. But, uh, you know, I was guilty of thinking that this team would look worse after the Brogdon situation because, you know, he was always uh, such a great performer in the playoffs. He was also he was always willing to do uh, whatever was asked of him from a like from a ball handling perspective, from a shot making perspective. Um, he was one of their better performers in the playoffs when guys like Chris Middleton have had their struggles on occasion. And so I thought the the team would really miss a Malcolm Brogdon, uh, but they haven't. And you're telling me it's because of Wes Matthews and Dante Divincenzo. Mm, yes, but not really. Uh, Wes has done a great <laughs> job as being the fifth guy, which really is like what Brogdon – He was Brogdon was the fourth or fifth guy most of the time. And as you said, he really shined in some playoff games. Really good player, but just the way things were going in Milwaukee, I think that was that was where he was ending up. And not, not to say he wasn't – he's not better than Wes Matthews, but just that was the role he had had on the Bucks was being that guy and – and Wes has done good enough at being that guy to gloss over it. Where they really missed him offensively, and, and this was more apparent early on. I think the Bucks made some adjustments with more of their other players kind of stepping in to fill the role, but he was one of their best drivers getting to the rim. And early on, the Bucks, I mean, the Bucks blew two huge leads early in the season, one to Miami, one to Boston. I mean, really, if they had held those leads, the record could be really ridiculous right now, but let's let's not get revisionist. Um but a lot of the reason that they faltered in those games and, and they would blow some leads and then come back and win some other games is there would be so many possessions in a row where this team was just settling for these bad threes, like early in the shot clock, zero or one passes, dribble threes, and they're just not good shots and they just would kill the momentum. And then other teams are getting these long rebounds and running and going on these runs and it would just snowball. And I think we've seen way less of that lately. The ball has moved more. Players have been more insistent on getting inside. And, you know, you're not going to just say, like, Wes Matthews be as good as Malcolm Brogdon at driving. Like, Wes will drive a few times, but that's not really, like, what you expect from him. They filled that hole with, you know, Bledsoe driving more, Giannis just being even more Giannis. I think Chris Middleton's been a lot more aggressive, especially lately, in hunting out his own shots, whether it's a mid-range pull-up or actually driving to the rim or taking a three. And then Dante's done a really good job driving too. So Dante actually has has filled it a little bit, but it's been more of kind of a team effort and getting everybody more involved, with my, which might actually work out better for the team in the long run, just having more different ways to score. No, I, I, I agree with that. And you can kind of tell because the Bucks went like 12 deep tonight and all 12 guys, I think, played more than uh, 10 minutes. They didn't have anybody just play garbage time like the last four minutes of the game or whatever. And so instilling that confidence in guys, being able to do that during the regular season, I do think has long-term benefits. You uh, you definitely like will be able to lean on Dante DiVincenzo in like game three of a second round series for four minutes. And like that that has a lot of value. Uh, 
uh, you know, but you have to give him those regular season reps in order for, for that to happen. With the holiday rush here, you got to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? And how do you decide which shipping carrier to use? And how do you know you're getting the best rates? You know, with ShipStation. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. All right, y'all, it is holiday season, and you know what that means. It is time to send out the list, the list of stuff that you would like for your respective holiday celebration. I sent out my list last week, and the most important thing on it was a bunch of stuff I don't need. I don't need any more socks. Got enough socks. I don't need any more undershirts. It's like, I don't sleep with an undershirt. Like, that, I don't need those. I don't need any more wallets. I got one wallet. That wallet is good enough for me. But you know what I do need? And you know what is a thoughtful, practical gift? Razors. Specifically, razors from Harry's. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends for those razors on December 16th. So act now. It's a great deal for the person who needs razors in your life. Holiday sets start at just under $20. That is under Secret Santa limits. I know you have a Secret Santa party. I have multiple white elephant parties that I have to go to every year. And it gets hard to get that stuff. Like, I, I get coloring books. You get some people some Legos. And then you got that old standby, which is a nice big bottle of vodka. But Harry's razors will stick around long after you drink the vodka I got you for the white elephant Christmas party. Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each, so you save money over time. And when you buy Harry's, your gift gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of the show, I've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, you get free shipping. Each Harry shaving set comes with a weighted handle. You get the option to engrave something on the weighted handle. You get five blade razor cartridges, a foaming shave gel with a rich lather. You get a travel cover to protect your blades, and it's all packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends for all of that on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. What, what keeps you interested in this regular season, right? Because, you know, they've got this 13-game winning streak. 
Uh, they've won 19 games already. What what keeps you from just being like, okay, let's just turn off injuries and like sim till April? <laughs> I mean, if if that's an option, I'd probably take it nonetheless, just to make sure we didn't had didn't have any more injury issues. But um, honestly, earlier I was actually a little worried the way they were playing. I mean, I referenced it before, but just like seeing the way I was like, this isn't gonna like they're gonna get enough wins to obviously make the playoffs and go deep, but. This kind of style of basketball, I just don't think – I don't know if this gets even through the East, which, I mean, it sounds so cocky, but that's got to be the goal, right? I mean, the goal has to be to at least get to the finals after how close they were, I mean, to going up 3-0 on Toronto last year and then and then getting a shot at those Warriors with the honestness contract situation everything else. I mean, that's that's the goal. But I think just seeing them play better and play differently – is what's been exciting for Bucks fans, especially for myself, because I've sensed the postseason, that Raptors series. I mean, the series changed when really what happened was Kawhi guards Giannis, and they just do everything they can to take away Giannis. And I just don't think the Bucks had enough th- stuff they could just throw at Toronto. You know, enough cards in the hand, enough cards in the deck, whatever you want to say, up, up their sleeves, wherever the cards are. The cards weren't in the right places. So <laughs> we're seeing a lot more like, Giannis Chris pick and roll, which is something I've been screaming about on Twitter for so long because uh, while Chris Middleton does not Kyrie Irving or whoever, he can still run a good pick and roll. He's a three-level scorer. He can score from all over. He's a really good passer. He's been showing that off recently. And I just thought, let's get the two best players on the team involved in more pick and roll. And you just hadn't seen it as much. This season, we're seeing it more, and the results are really good. Sometimes let's post up Brooke Lopez. If somebody's small is defending Brooke Lopez, like you don't want to turn into the, you know, whatever, 12, 13 nets or whatever, but you can exploit a mismatch. Like let's do something different than just Giannis driving to the rim and kicking. Like that kind of repetitive offense, we've seen it in Houston. It doesn't work. Like it won't get you a title just doing the same thing over and over. You need that versatility. So I know like myself and Rohan, like Rohan Kadi, my co-host on the Eurostep, one thing we look for a lot is like, what are the different ways the Bucks have been able to score? What are the different things they've been able to do? And they've been throwing in more versatility. So credit to Coach Mike Budenholzer. That's been really fun to watch for me. And and uh, winning hasn't gotten old yet. You know, we've had one <laughs> really good season. I'm not sick of winning regular season games yet, man. I mean, like if they win 60 plus games again, that'll still be pretty fun. I'm not. I'm not like LeBron Cavs fan level. Like let's just skip it yet. I can still enjoy this. I like that. that. That's honest, right? Like you're like, hey, the novelty hasn't quite worn off yet. No, it's cool winning by a hundred points over three games. Like I'll, I'll take more of this. <laughs> uh, so that actually like the flashback back to the playoff series reminded me of something I did want to ask about. And uh, during that playoff series, I was always wondering like, where was the, the thing that I always thought made the Bucks like ridiculously unguardable during last year's regular season was like Brooke Lopez pulling from 30. Like that just didn't seem fair to me. And we, we didn't really get a lot of that in the playoffs last year. And we didn't really get a lot of that uh, tonight. I know Brooke, Brooke is returning from a injury. I forget exactly where he it was. He had a sore back, I think. Okay. But uh, like that's, He's shooting, uh, what, 28%, 29% essentially from three this season. Is that something that's just kind of been de-emphasized as they're finding more ways to score in, in this offense? Or is that something that you think they're just like, you know, they've shown it for a year, they're, they're comfortable busting it out in the middle of a playoff series or something like that? 
I, I think I don't know if they're de-emphasizing it. I think he just has been kind of cold early. Uh, the shot hasn't looked that good, and then the the injury missing time doesn't help. Although I think he just missed a game or two, but um, I just think he hasn't really been stroking him yet. He hasn't wasn't didn't oddly did not look that comfortable early. Like the shot just didn't look that good. I think lately it's looked a little better. So I think I think what the hope is is it was just kind of some like negative regression, and he's going to pull himself back positive early on. I mean. Obviously, he's a seven-footer. He has kind of a funny-looking shot. He does shoot from super far away. So, like, personally, my hope is just he kind of started off the year cold and he's going to, you know, have a couple nice games and pull that percentage back up to 35 or 36. I'm a little worried that, you know, did he, is he, uh, did he lose a step? I think early on I was worried. Like, did Brooke lose a step? But I think lately I've, I've really liked what I've seen from him defensively. I think he's doing just fine. I think there is an element from this team from time to time. And there are some Bucks fans who will legit get mad at me for saying this. I think they coast more than they, than they used to. I think, I think the team is well aware of what the goal is. And like, there's guys like Giannis is going to try pretty hard every possession, you know, some of these other guys, but like, I think George Hill knows when the Bucks need him. And when they don't like very quiet, George Hill game tonight, I don't think George Hill really is mad about that. Like George Hill was like, Oh, I got a couple free throws, missed my two shots, whatever. Team didn't need me. I'll just chill. Um, like Brooke Lopez, I don't think is going 110% all season, which he, you know, didn't take any time off until the last game last year. I think, I think there's a little bit more of like this feeling that like, yeah, we can still win a bunch of games. That's great. We want to try. We want to win. We want to get better, but let's keep the goal in mind. Let's not, not go entirely balls to the wall. Let's not, I mean, I wish they would close out harder sometimes, but I think there's been some like, oh, we don't have to close out that hard on, you know, Svi, Mihailuk, or whoever. So, um, no offense to is it's, it's Svi, right? Svi, no, Svi. Svi. Ah, Svi. damn it, I had it. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that like that's been on and off these last few games. They've been a lot more locked in. I think the young guys playing more has helped. I think for a while the rotation kind of went away from playing a lot of the younger guys, but then Middleton's injury brings Dante into the fold in the starting lineup. And then from there, like it felt like Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson both got to play more as well for various reasons. I think that youth injection really helped kind of get everybody more active, which has been fun. But yeah, I'm hoping that it's kind of like combo, like just cold streak slash regression and and not really trying all that hard. I really hope it's not something they've lost because I think the Brook at center lineups work against a whole lot of teams. I think it's something that's really nice for them to use. Yeah, I, I definitely got the sense in the first game these two teams played that Milwaukee was coasting, right? Like yeah, that, that, yeah. that game, I think, was like close through halftime and Milwaukee just built like an eight-point lead in the third quarter and then just like never really relinquished it. And like to me, that's that's the mark of an excellent team where you've got a Pistons team that like desperately needed a win and they're, they were actually trying that game and Milwaukee was just like, no. He's like you never you can never get closer than like double digits. Sorry. No, one thing I've noticed about him, especially against the teams that don't really have like a long forward who can really credibly guard Giannis, is they'll totally like again these last few games they've really been like playing hard, and I think the young guys playing equal minutes to the starters has really kept the energy higher, and that's when you get you know back to back forty point blowouts. But in a lot of the games, especially earlier, it was like. Uh, we'll get close. I don't have anyone who can, who can really guard Giannis. So if they pull within three, we'll just let Giannis dunk a few times and take and take a couple <laughs> more threes. Uh, let's get Giannis. You want to just all right? Cool. Right, now we're up by ten again. Up by eleven. All right, game's over. So there's definitely some of that going on. I kind of hate it, but I kind of get it too. So I can't totally hate it, but it's kind of like uh, I know you guys could do better. You know, it's like I'm not mad. 
I'm just a little disappointed. Yeah, the the regular season is real long. And it so is. It, it is. It gets understandable. I don't know if it ever. You know, I don't know if you ever want to be comfortable coasting, but it's definitely understandable on a night in night out basis. Yeah, and I mean, having watched LeBron in the East for so long, you you start to recognize it. Like, oh yeah, okay, I I see what's going on here. So so who do the, who do the Bucks get up for? Who 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 does make them like spin all the way up? I saw I watched a decent portion of Giannis's fifty points against Utah, and that felt like a little bit like I was seeing them step on the gas a little bit. Uh, who, what other games this season have been like that for them? It's funny because they don't always have set teams like that one that they for sure were because Houston beat them and it pisses them off. So I predicted that out like going in. I was like, I think the Bucks are going to play well. I, it was closer than I thought it was going to be, honestly. But I was like, especially Giannis because Giannis hates losing. And their whole thing last year was until really late in the year, they had not lost back to back games. So every time they would lose, you would see Giannis before the game next time, like yelling to the whole team, like we don't lose back to back games. We just don't. And they really didn't for a long time. So that's that's really what motivates them. So like if they took a loss like the night before, or if they took a loss to a team earlier, obviously there was some shenanigans in this game with Blake and Giannis that really fired him up for a little while there after like a really kind of ugh, first quarter. So I, was, I wasn't that mad to get some some extracurricular action in there, but I think the the Sixers will, uh, and I think they play pretty hard against the Raptors. Even though Kawhi is not there anymore, they they kind of went and gave it to the Raptors in that. In that game, they had in Toronto, so that was fun to watch. I, I can't wait for the Christmas game against Philly. It's, I, I part of me hates that we have to wait so long, but part of me is like, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to to build up the anticipation for that matchup. But uh, I'm excited for the next Miami game too, because Miami with the big comeback over the Bucks without Jimmy Butler, I feel like they're going to get up for that one. So I think you know the elite teams in the conference, and then anytime they're just generally mad, also, so some unlucky team might sneak in there and just get pounded. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny all right so the i guess we do have to talk about the pistons we do have to talk about tonight's game uh, <laughs> the the drop coverage continues to just befuddle the uh the, the detroit guards without a reggie jackson without uh, a Lou Kennard who kind of hurt the bucks in the first two games in the playoffs uh last year with with uh not the bigs not being able to leave the paint uh the pistons just like really struggled to score offensively uh, obviously we alluded to a, a little bit there were some some little bit of chirping between uh blake and Giannis. uh have there been other guys that like try and get into Giannis's head like that and does it always result in him scoring 35 points in less than 30 minutes sometimes he scores more um <laughs> guys don't really most guys really don't get in his i mean bucks fans are gonna be mad i'm sure i'm forgetting one or two notable exceptions but like I don't think Embiid even really talks trash to him. Him and Simmons have got into it a little bit, Ben Simmons, but that was more like – this was like the weirdest – I don't know what Ben Simmons did, to be honest, but the he's an effing baby thing is oh, like yeah. such a wild thing for Giannis to do. I remember in the moment I couldn't believe it. I still kind of can't believe it. That's just not the kind of thing you usually see from Giannis, but I guess it's what he believed in that moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean certainly if anyone does get under his skin – he he doesn't at, like, early in his career he decked Mike Dunleavy Jr. and got ejected from that playoff oh, game. Oh, I remember Bulls. that that horrible Giannis. Yeah, Dark Giannis, Darth Giannis, whatever. Um, and he hasn't like he doesn't do that stuff anymore. I think now he's gotten so good to the point where he's like, I'm just gonna score a bunch on you now. And apparently he's gonna shoot a bunch of threes on you. I guess that's the newest evolution of it. So 
you know, as much as as, as secretly satisfying as it might have been to see, uh, a, I think a fairly obviously dirty player get just decked. I think it's a lot better for Giannis and for the Bucks and for the league that now he takes it out with just scoring a bunch of points and dunking on you instead of like actually tackling you. That I think that's also better for the league. Because yeah, for you, sure. you you don't want Giannis suspended for like ten games for like doing some shit. Like you you just don't. No. So no. What do what are you how have you been thinking about Andre Drummond? Because Andre played he had a very productive game tonight, but he definitely like did not necessarily like leave an impact on an imprint on like what the result of this game was going to be. So like when you're, when you're watching Andre play uh, the Bucks, like what, what have you, what are you thinking about him? Um, I mean, like, as you mentioned, it's just such a hard matchup for a center who, you know, specializes in right around the basket stuff and rebounding because I mean, Brooke Lopez is pretty much always going to be there when Andre's on offense. And I mean, I knew he was going to get some offensive rebounds, both because he's like one of the best rebounders ever, and because of the way Brook defends. I mean, that drop coverage, like he'll Brook will end up basically guarding someone else who's attacking the paint, and then if that shot misses short, like it's it's really it's there's a lot of nice looks spread throughout games for opposing big men. So I knew he'd collect there. I mean, I think he had five offensive rebounds and some good putbacks on those and stuff. Which again, like you kind of expect this. The way the Bucks play defense, you kind of just have to write certain things off. Like teams are going to hit mid-range jumpers and floaters. Like they just are. The Bucks give up those looks. You have to live with it. It's the same with some of those offensive rebounds. It Sometimes it becomes a problem too often if Brooks getting pulled too far out of position and nobody else is boxing out or hedging at all that, that, that they need to correct back sometimes. But like playing Andre Drummond, you know he's going to get some of those looks. You know he's going to get you know a cutting or a pick-and-roll dunk here or there. You just kind of expect it. So unless he's going off to like a crazy degree or really making his presence felt defensively, which is hard. I mean, it's always hard to defend Giannis. It's hard for him to do much when you know, like the Bucs are going to make a couple threes in a row. There's not really that much he can do about that. You just kind of figure you, you, you can just live with it. You know, you can live with Andre Drummond putting up a nice 23-14-5 if the guards aren't going to hurt you and their guards just aren't the kind of guards who are really going to hurt you usually. Uh, and if you can handle everything else and, and keep Blake in check. So I think that was like the Bucks probably part of their plan. And I think it, it certainly worked out that way where he had a really good game. A couple of the bench guards ended up doing really well in, in some sloppy buckets, but nobody else did. So the Bucks kind of said, ah, okay, good game, Andre. Yeah, definitely. It's also funny because even before both of the Lopez brothers were on the Bucks, they individually, both of those guys always gave him trouble because they are some of the – uh, hardest boxer outers in the league yeah and andre kind of thrives on dudes who like don't put a body on him and so that matchup has just always been really funny to me even when brooke was like playing for the nets he was like a consistent like 25 and 12 against andre because andre just like couldn't do anything with him did they have beef at all or was it just like a good matchup for brooks i kind of remember this now from last season it's it's it might be a little bit of beef anybody who like consistently beats andre he wants to beat andre's main thing is that he he wants to be so good and he wants he wants to win so much that he tries to do like everything in his power to to win games except that's not that's like not the type of player he is right Right. like he he shouldn't be doing everything in his power to to win games and like that that's always the struggle is 
finding better players to put around him who can tell him no because like if it's like bruce brown it's like no i'm I'm doing this sorry man yeah and i think that's the thing with drummond where like what i was referring to earlier where like you kind of just let him do his thing like because you know he neither needs to be usually set up on offense pretty well or like setting himself up with an offensive rebound he can't really like reliably take over a game because like something else needs to happen. Like he's a kind of player where he can really take advantage of the right circumstances, but he can't like really call his own number. Like he can't make a missed shot come to him. You know, he can't always, unfortunately, with some of the like Bruce Brown or point guard or whatever, he can't always get himself the ball rolling to the rim in a good angle. So I think that's really where it's, he's the kind of guy where you can kind of let him cook just because. He's not going to be able to cook often enough to keep up with what the Bucks are doing on the other end. Definitely. All right, Ty, I got two more questions for you. First, how are the herd also at the top of the G League? Like, how is it fair that the Bucks and the Bucks <laughs> G League team are both at the top of the conference? Um, it's certainly not fair. Um, the real answer here is actually pretty fun. Uh, Chase Buford, uh, R.C. Buford, longtime Spurs executive's son, who I think just turned 31 years old, young, younger coach, is the new head coach in Wisconsin. He loses game one in fairly, fairly disappointing fashion. I was at the game. It was a home game. And then rattles off, I think now, like 11 wins in a row. He hasn't lost since then. It's been really, really fun. Really Wait, fun so basketball. Are you telling me that the two clubs are on a combined like 25-game winning streak? Yeah, yeah. They both haven't lost in weeks. Like I do a, We do a, a weekly Monday Primer podcast, and like the last three weeks in a row – my herd segment's just been like, well, they both keep winning. <laughs> That's it's, ridiculous. It's wild. Yeah, the herd just won their – I think it was it was either ninth or 11th in a row uh, last night. So, yeah, the, the teams are just trading trading wins right now. But uh, honestly, like they – like early on, like they had Dragon Bender down a lot and he was doing well. I mean, NBA player, of course. And like uh, Giannis's brother Tenassis was down for a game and he did moderately well. Uh Frank Mason was playing pretty well, obviously a really strong two-way, but it's been the actual G League players who have carried them on this run. Two guards who I admittedly did not know a whole lot about going into this. Ray John Tucker and Jalen Adams have been incredible, combining for like 40 and 15 a night points and assists, like just dominating. And Ray John just dunking all over everyone. And they're just they just win a lot. I mean, they're executing really well. They're running their their stuff. They're Bucks-esque. But those two guards really have just been absolutely carrying. It's, it's been fun basketball. So, A, that's where Frank Mason ended up? I yeah, wonder yep. what happened. Bucks, okay. Bucks third point guard technically is Frank Mason Jr. And, and B, are they running like a Bud-like system or are they running their own thing? They always try to, but it's always so hard. I actually joked about this with, with Buford as intro presser, like, how do you really run their stuff if you don't have a Giannis? And he kind of joked with me like, yeah, it's funny. They they show me so many of their plays, and they're like, yeah, this is the part when you give it to Giannis. And I'm like, do I get a Giannis? Like, I don't get one, do I? Um, so he, he – but then he, he transitioned it into a real answer. Like, no, I mean, it's the same principle as like working with space to create offense, so we're going to try to do that. So they, they try to – I mean, they try to, you know, ball movement, motion offense, all that. They want to get the ball movement. But it's just – I mean, the G League, it feels like, players in general are always a little more shot happy for obvious reasons and just not having a Giannis makes it so hard to run any sort of quote-unquote similar stuff so my answer is always like kind of sort of it's hard to tell but I don't know it's it's just so tricky to try and recreate that system because the system is a guy no definitely 
All right, Ty. Final question. What are your thoughts on the Cream City uniforms? I don't. So here's the thing. At first, I really didn't like them. Uh, people have wanted the the purple deer head throwback jerseys for a long time. I'm one of those people. And I think a better alternate jersey gimmick would be like 414, the Milwaukee area code. I still have a 414 number. Like, I just, I don't know. I always liked it. I always thought it'd be cool. Um, so that's what I want. And so at first, I really didn't like it. And I don't like the moniker all that much. I, I didn't like it more. I've kind of come around because I was complaining on Twitter, as, as I do. Like, nobody ever calls it that. Like, I've never heard anyone call it that, whatever. And a fair amount of people got back to me and said, no, it's a real nickname. And I've called it that forever. And and we all exchanged what part of Milwaukee we're from. And I was like, okay, they're really from Milwaukee. I guess it's really a thing I just wasn't aware of. Uh, it's like some old bricks using old buildings or whatever. They're not really that good building materials. So there's like a really sinister parallel there if the Bucks end up losing Giannis. Like, the Cream City bricks were just not the right foundation to build upon. <laughs> Uh, so I really hope I don't have to write that feature in a couple of years, but I think they actually look pretty nice now that I've seen them on players. I think the problem with Jersey drops is you see them like on a coat hanger. I think jerseys always look kind of dumb in that, like when they're displayed that way on the, on the team, I actually think they've looked all right. The, the color, not bad. The, like the stitching and the logo and the stripes and everything, not bad. It's just really, really weird have cream city across the front <laughs> of an nba jersey like my wife is like why is the why did their jersey say cream city and I'm like i don't really have an answer for you sweetie I really don't. <laughs> it's funny i mean i don't know how intentional i don't know how much the bucks saw this coming but i've seen a, a, a wow but uh, i've seen a a fair amount of tweets over this like huge winning streak with like, oh, this is why they're called Cream City from like Bucks fans. So they're getting a, a little bit of dual meaning out of the the phrase, I think. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine that like some intern at Nike was wasn't like you like you guys <laughs> realize like what's gonna happen with these, right? <laughs> I guess they just said, you know what? Let's just let them let them have the meme content. <laughs> let it ride. All right, Ty. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work, where they can get more info on Dragon Bender and Frank Mason the Third. What's up? All the guys. You can get more info on all the Bucks and Herd players primarily at my Twitter at Ty Windish, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. Uh, also, if you're a Facebook person, I have a Facebook page. I try to post to as well. Just Ty Windish MBA on Facebook. But uh podcast is called The Eurostep. That is G-Y-R-O, sort of a play on Giannis's signature wild Greek Eurostep. Uh, I did eat Euros the day we announced the podcast, so I felt like it was like the perfect way to start it. Uh, so just go subscribe, rate, review The Eurostep, everything else. But uh, otherwise, I mean, just follow me. I post a lot of my work. As last said at the beginning, Wisconsin Herd beat reporter for a local paper in Oshkosh, which if you're in Oshkosh, you might already read it. If you're not, Again, just follow on Twitter. You'll get you'll get what you need to know on there. I post most of my stuff, so that's uh, that's where I'm located. Uh, thanks, thanks again for coming on, Ty. I will say one last time: the Euro Step is just like a perfect podcast name, just an absolutely perfect podcast name. It's Gotta really thank you. No, <laughs> every single time I'm like, man, that's that's like I wish I had something that good. <laughs> the the art. What I do have though is I do have Pistons versus everybody. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at 
L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, you should subscribe to this. You should follow me on Twitter. You should go to Detroit Bad Boys and read my work and the work of everybody else on on DBB. And yeah, we should. Uh, you should definitely consume as much Pistons content as possible. Uh, this has been Pistons versus Everybody, and we will talk to y'all next week. <laughs>